Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 155 of Artifice Podcast. This is the final episode in season seven. And listen, I know it doesn't mean that much to probably whoever's listening. Maybe it does. I don't know. I guess I shouldn't say I don't know. But what I want to tell you is that this season has meant so much to me. Um, you know, when I look back over the conversations, like how they started from the first episode of this season with Catherine Coles, how how it's ended up, the, the places that we've gone in between. Oh, man, I just see something that is so like big and profound. And just these conversations in this season have just changed me. And um, it feels really powerful. And, um, you know, I don't really ever get any feedback about this podcast, like very, very rarely. Um, I'm, I'm hardly ever hearing things about it from people other than maybe occasionally the guests themselves as they're listening back, but even then, not usually. And I just feel like it just must be said, um, even if it's just, even if it's just only me who's feeling it, and it, it probably is, but this just, this, these last, this season has just had a profound impact on me. And I'm so grateful to all of the guests who have participated in these conversations in this, in this little bundle. Um, and yeah, I just, I just feel like I have to acknowledge it. Um, I just have to. So this, uh, this episode is with, um, high school friend, Max Eddington. And we talk about this a little bit in the interview, but we really didn't ever, I don't know that we ever had just a conversation between the two of us. We, we heard each other talk to other people. We had like friends in common and we were in classes together sometimes. Um, but I don't think we ever really, really talked to each other, um, in high school. So it's kind of like this, this old, uh, connection, but, but a, but a brand new, uh, a brand new conversation. And it just reminds me that, gosh, there is just, there's just profundity like all around that we're missing. And I feel like um, Max and I are just on the same wavelength in some very mysterious ways, um, having really not talked to each other mostly ever. And I, there's just something about that that's just, oh, it lights me up. It just makes me think, what other conversations am I not having? Um, what other kind of like who else that's just right here, right next to me is like wrestling with the same sorts of things I'm wrestling with. Oh, it just like sparks my curiosity. It makes the world feel so safe um, and, and beautiful and like this big untapped thing. And I'm just, again, I just like, I feel kind of overwhelmed with gratitude about it. Um, Max is so incredible. I can't think of a better conversation, a more hopeful conversation uh, to end this season. I just, I just, I don't even know what to say. You're just going to have to listen. Um, so after this episode comes out, as per usual, I'll take a month off. Um, so no new episodes in August, but I just, um, not even a full week ago, um, recorded the final episode of season eight. Um, and so season eight is, is, is ready to go for you. Um, and that will start, it will come out in, uh, 
in starting in September and it will be a slightly shorter season because of my knee surgery. So normally the month that I take off is July, but we started this season a little late. Um, the, and then this season seven has been a normal length of a season and the next one's starting late and will be a bit shorter. So I think it's just 12 episodes. Wait, one, two, three, four. Yeah. Something like that. Like September, three in September, four in October, and three in November. That's what it'll be. Um, so I can't wait to, to you know, to, to embark on, on this new chapter with all of you and with the guests who were in those episodes. So if you have enjoyed any episodes in this season, um, I'd love to hear your thoughts. I'd love to hear how any of the things that, that um, any of these little bits of these conversations that have kind of made their way into your um, more frequent thoughts or have kind of altered the way that you think about the work that you're doing, whether that's art or, um, you know, anything, parenting, um, teaching, just whatever you're up to, um, please tell me. It would fill me with such wonder. I would love to hear from you. Okay. The last thing to do in this intro is tell you about Max. Okay. Maxwell is a pianist and a knit portrait artist from Arizona. Ever since he can remember, Maxwell Eddington has been creating. Although his passion for creating beauty has led him to dabble in aquascaping, interior design, digital art, singing, and sewing, his life's main artistic devotions remain knitting and playing the piano. Maxwell learned to knit while living in Eastern Europe by studying a teach yourself to knit book in Russian and getting tips from helpful babushki. Because of this, his knitting style and technique are heavily influenced by traditional Russian, Baltic, and Scandinavian knitting. During the 14 years he's been knitting, Maxwell has made countless sweaters, hats, scarves, and mittens, but was always a bit underwhelmed by the lack of artistic expression inherent in knitting clothing. This led him to a new realm of knitting tapestry-style portraits using classical color work techniques. He hopes to show his first collection of knit portraiture later this year. As a pianist, Maxwell has played for 26 years and has performed across the country and in Europe. Originally trained in classical piano performance, he has shifted his focus to sight reading and accompanying while in college. He has worked as a professional accompanist for singers, dancers, and instrumentalists, and has made music alongside artists including Kristen Chenoweth, Billy Porter, Alex Boyer, Brian Stokes, Mitchell, Brian Stokes Mitchell, Rabble, I hope I'm saying that right, Vincent, and Dan Reynolds of Imagine Dragons. And yeah, I already like hyped it up. I'm not even worried it's too much. You're going to love this conversation. Um, thanks again to Max for joining for being for joining me for this conversation, for being on the podcast. And uh, to everybody, I will see you in September. Enjoy. Great art almost feels like magic. It opens our minds to brand new ideas and teaches us to see ourselves and our world more clearly. Of course, behind all great art, there are artists. And I think that's where the real magic happens. As we go beneath the art itself to explore how artists do what they do, we see glimpses of the sorts of creativity and resilience that lead to the art that moves our world. And maybe we can learn to borrow some of that magic for our own thinking. That's the goal here. And now that we're on the same page, let's dive in. I'm Emily Merrill, and this is Artifice. Well, this season that I'm working on right now, um, so this will be, this is season seven that I am um, have like two more episodes to record before Ooh, season exciting. seven is done. Yeah. And I've been like, I don't, I, w I wouldn't say there's like a theme, but I have been thinking just a lot about like, you know, 
the the fringes of medium and i've been really interested in interviewing like creative people who like maybe haven't staked a claim as like art as a profession but are so clearly creative yeah and you're like exactly who that is listening to your podcast i was like I am not necessarily in the same category as a lot There's of these people. Lot, there are lots of people who aren't professional artists, but yeah, yeah. just anyone who yeah, I definitely seems inspiring to me. did not claim the term artist until probably like pretty recently, yeah, even you, though like you are, I you truly have always one. been. <laughs> you are, you have. I've just been like afraid to admit it. Well, and I think you probably, I mean, I'm, I don't think I'm positive. Like you could have done any number of like art professions yeah, <laughs> like you do yeah. so many things i mean my my number one income all through college was as a pianist yeah and i considered doing that professionally i considered moving to new york and doing like auditions a company yeah well you're such a thoughtful accompanist which is like a really different skill like a really unique skill it is yeah it, it really is I, I worked really hard on like building that specific yeah. skill because you know i was trained classically yeah. And kind of realized that there was a niche there that it's not a lot of people are super great at. Totally. <laughs> well, it's one of my favorite things to do. I'm not a pianist like you are, but I accompany my my private my students, um my voice students like I I accompany like a jazz pianist more like I just read chords and like play whatever yeah. Yeah, makes yeah. sense, but I do find that it's like a it's a whole different kind of art form like being a being a thoughtful accompanist yes. of a vocalist maybe yeah in particular there's like a there's like a feeling when i accompany of it's like feeling like you're a safety net for a trapeze totally. artist totally when the vocalist finally realizes that you will always catch them yeah and that you're always going yeah. to like you know even if they skip a page totally or totally. if their timing is off no matter yeah. what it is it's like there's this feeling of like oh he's he's got me well, and that's and it's like you it's get to nice be, to be like, that person. You get to be like the scenery for the storytelling, which yeah. is also like I don't know, I think it's really fun. Yeah. It's, and in the company you can you're free to make a lot of your own choices. Totally. You know, I'm always reading like I'm half reading the notes, I'm half reading the chord symbols. Right. And kind of adding my own Ooh, stuff. I love it. And <laughs> Delicious. in classical music you just cannot <laughs> yeah, do that. Right, right. And that freedom is really Super so fun. much fun. Yeah. Well, let's go back. Let's start at the beginning. Okay. What was the like earliest <laughs> evidence that you were like a little creative little baby? Um, I truly do not remember ever not being creative. Yeah. I loved to draw when I was really young. And also, honestly, even before that, it was like an appreciation for music. I love for this singers. answer to- Tell me more. Like one of the things that I've been really fascinated about in the last couple of years is like less what like a creative child is doing and more like how a creative child feels. Yes. So yeah, tell me like what like uh, consuming like creative media was like. Yeah, I, there is nothing that I loved more as a little kid than listening to someone sing live. Yeah. Like there was, I remember in in my ward growing up, there's this woman who like sang in church. I didn't know her name. Yeah. And I just remember thinking, this is one of the most incredible things I've ever experienced. And I called her the singing lady. I didn't know her name, (laughs) but I just like would think about it like for days and days and days afterwards of just like, I can't believe that I sat and heard that. Do you remember like what you were thinking about? Like, no, I mean, I, I just, I remember my mom even had these tapes. I think her name was Sandy Patty. Like a Sandy Patty. 
I think she was like a like a Christian singer. I don't know. Oh and gosh. I would lit. I would just like sit and listen to one song. I don't even remember what the song was, but I yeah. distinctly remember being like, I literally cannot get enough of listening to this wow. over and over and over again, because just the sound of a of a voice. I was obsessed voices are entrancing it's a weird thing like i mean i'm a voice teacher i've been a voice teacher for like 12 years now and it's shocking to me how rare it is even for singers to be interested in voices like you are and i am like but i feel the same way like even just listening to people out in the world like just speaking i'm like so moved by voices do you feel like that with speaking voices too yes oh Yeah. yeah Yeah, yeah. I'm always commenting on speaking voices. I am too. I love it. Yeah, yeah. It's magical. It is. And I can just, I know that you're the same way. I can listen to the same 10 seconds of a recording 50 times. Same. Last last night, my boyfriend showed me this TikTok of just this riff that this girl hit. And he's not super musically inclined, but he was like, I heard this and I knew you were going to like this. You were going to love it. And it it like made me sit up in bed and I was just like, (gasps) I... We'll be at the gym tomorrow in between sets listening to this yeah. over and over and over again. And I, I was. I just I can't get enough. If there's a, a tidbit it, like that, that totally. just like, I, I can't stop. Jessie J had this like TikTok last Thanksgiving where she was like, she just like sang a little thing about like being so full from like eating too much. And it was just like a joke. It's not even a song, but I, I also like just kept going back to it. Yes. <laughs> like, it was like, <laughs> exactly how I am. Again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so that probably was the first the first like consuming feeling yeah. that I had as a kid was, yeah. was definitely music. That like a sense of wonder and that kind of like hunger for something. It is, it is unique. It's like a creativity, but it's like something else too. I yeah. like, I don't know how to crack it. Yeah. And it's I, interesting. like I, I started playing piano when I was eight Okay, and we didn't have a piano when I was growing up and I talked about it a lot to my parents. Wow. In fact, I would, before I even knew how piano worked, I would just sit and pretend on my lap like I was playing piano. Crazy. And I think my parents realized how serious I was about it. And they didn't have a ton of money at the time. Like buying a piano was a big sacrifice. Yeah. And I remember the day that I knew they were buying a piano. I was at school and it was just all I could think about (gasps) all day. I knew that when I came home, there would be a piano. I ran the entire way home. I remember getting home and the tuner was there playing oh my and I just gosh. could not stand oh to sit gosh. there and not be able to touch it. <laughs> and just from then all the way, you know, I trained seriously till I graduated high school wow. and not once ever was it like, you need to practice. You know, yeah. it was like, can you stop? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. Couldn't. So I couldn't should stop. know this, but are you the oldest? No, I'm the middle. Okay. That's crazy. I don't know that I've ever even heard of that, like a Mormon family not having a piano and then having like one child, like advocate for a piano. I mean, by the time we got one, I already knew how to play several like little ditties because, you know, all of my cousins, all of my friends had pianos. So I would, you know, my cousins would teach me little things. Yeah. Yeah. Once I got one, it was just an obsession. Do you remember like... Would you remember what it felt like to learn, like, like when there would be things that were challenging or like, like, what was it like being like a piano student um, as, a, as a little, as a little kid? I, I'm so detail oriented with everything that I, you know, just like we were saying, I can listen to the same 10 seconds of a song a million times. Yeah. I could practice a line of music for two hours. There's so much to discover. And not get bored. Yeah. Yeah. 
um, trying it so Amazing. many different different ways. And I used to, w- when I got like more advanced, I would, we had a stand up piano at home, and my piano teacher forbade me from playing <laughs> from practicing on a stand up because oh. the feel is different, and yeah. I would always perform on a grand. Sure. So my parents got the keys to a, a church building, so I c- could drive there and practice wow. just by myself in the chapel. So I did that for the last couple of years of high school. Wow. And I remember I would stop by <laughs> Sonic on the way and yes. get tater tots. Sonic was such a and, thing in Mesa. Oh, what yeah, the heck? Yeah, I was trying to tell Sonic. Andrew about it the other day. I was like, we would just like go to Sonic like, <laughs> yeah, all the time. And Sonic is like not a thing here. No. But like we went to Sonic for the listener. Max and I went to high school together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> FYI. <laughs> <laughs> but we, yeah, we would just go to Sonic after school. Like, Daily. Everyone went to Sonic. Everyone went to yes. Sonic. But I would put, I would put all of the tater tots on one side of the <laughs> piano, and I would have a goal of like this is the part of the music that I want to learn, and if I played it through perfectly to my own satisfaction, I would move a tater tot to the other oh side gosh, of the piano. That is hilarious. And if I played it and messed up, I would move it back. So I would play it until all of the tater tots were cold and on the other side of the oh piano, and then I would allow myself to eat them. I mean, I would do that. Every day. I what was, do you make of that like type of discipline thing? Cause that's like a creativity too. And I have that, like I, when I was in college, I would get like real, like sometimes I would be like, you can't go pee until you get this right. Yes. You know? Like, yes. Like in the exact same way. <laughs> like what is that? Well, I don't know. It sounds like that type of personality like sounds like it would not be enjoyable. <laughs> But, but it, it is. is, it is, it is, it is. It's There's something like, about like feeling in this moment, this accomplishing this thing feels impossible. Yeah. But I know that if I work hard enough, I can do it. Well, there's something about like, yeah, it's that for sure. Like the reward of like the accomplishment, but there's also like just hacking your own brain that like you get, like you could just eat the tater tots. Like no one right. is, no one <laughs> no is telling you do this. Yeah, yeah. But like, I don't know. Cause as a teacher, I feel like, you know, I'm often thinking like, well, how did I learn this thing? Mm-hmm. And with practice, like, I don't know how to teach that because you it can't. just was like, it I was like an addiction. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, I'm a teacher. I teach eighth grade math. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that question of like motivation, I, yeah. I've figured out how to solve almost every mm-hmm. problem when it comes to teaching eighth graders. Yeah. But if, if a person is not motivated, I've never, I can't find a solution. What can you do? What can yeah. you do? I, I think I that no idea. for me, it was just inherent in me from when I was little to, I was very self-motivated to accomplish things. I would, and, and this directly applies to art because I did this in a lot of different mediums. If I realized there was something that I couldn't do, yeah, that would really bother me. Yeah, and so I would just put in. I mean, I was like a bonsai master, and I was learning how to sing so and cool, how to draw Max. and <laughs> knit and sew and like all of these different mediums. I just don't how like did you the like have idea time for it. It's it's almost all that I do in my free time. Yeah. And okay, so as a child, you were drawing too. Mm-hmm. What other kinds of mediums were you like getting into maybe before you were like a teen? Um, uh, I did, you know, I took art and stuff when I was young. I really loved um, sculpting. Cool. I won a little, I won a little art. I, a little I may have been thing. eighth grade artist of the year post in junior high. <laughs> <I> posted. <laughs> <laughs> but oh I did, gosh. I designed like the, 
the cover for the, I don't even remember what the book was called. Like the par book is like our little detention planner, whatever. They had a competition that I entered. Whoa. So I, I designed the, co- the I went, cover of that. I went to Stapley, but you know who did go to Poston? My mom. What? Yeah. No way. Yeah. Hey. Grandma's house was probably. It's a grand ins- institution. In your neighborhood. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Weird. Mesa. Yeah, really what a strange place. Music, music was my biggest thing. Cool. When I was young. I, I, what I kind spent of a lot of time. Did, what, what, what medium? Um, you know, I really only did that for like school assignments, but I okay. really, really enjoyed it. But really in my free time, I was, I was, uh, playing piano. Also writing. Yeah. I was just going to say, I know I you did were a writing. a lot what, of writing. What were you writing? Um, the first things that I, <laughs> the first things that I wrote were just like stories. Yeah. And, um, I, I would just write a lot and my my sister once even for a birthday or Christmas or something, she like secretly collected all of my stories and, and put them in this binder. And I remember she, it was like embossed and said, author Max Eddington. And I, that really was, I I wrote in my journal when I was young that like my, what I wanted to be when I grew up was a writer. I used to want to be a writer too. Yeah. I I mentioned this on the podcast recently and I've, I think I still have these somewhere. I, 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 kind of want to do like a project with them but I had this idea when I was probably eight or nine to write a poem for like every single member of the family amazing like every aunt every uncle and I found this like um wallpaper like sticky you know and I I like cut out the poems and like tape like glued them on these like pieces of wallpaper um it was just like around but like yeah these like this self-motivation to do these crafts like I know you'll I know you'll feel the same way but like I would get like stressed out about it as a child. Mm-hmm. Like I would be like, I have a deadline. I've got to get this right. <laughs> and I'd be like a little kid. Yeah. So strange. Yeah, but I love it way. though. I love it. And I love that feeling still. Like it's a little stressy, but it's also just like so delicious. Yes. It's like wonderful. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree completely. Yeah. The projects, yeah. the crafts, the like yeah. the self-imposed like workload, yes. <laughs> like, and nothing else is new. I'm yeah. still exactly I think, I think, exactly a, big, I think a big part of like, I, I don't think I would have been so into making stuff if I didn't have really positive feedback from mm. adults growing up. Interesting. Like I had with writing specifically in, I think it was seventh grade. I wrote some essay mm. and my teacher was like, this is really good. I want to yeah. enter this into this competition, which was already super validating. Yeah. And I didn't win anything. And I just remember she like crouched next to my desk and she was like, even though you didn't win this, I really, really believe that you are a good writer. So don't ever stop doing this. That's amazing. And when I was in my undergrad, I won this like national personal essay contest and it was published and everything. And I tracked her down and sent her a message. And I was like, (gasps) literally, I would not have thought that I was capable of this without yeah. that that little 60 second conversation when I was 11. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. I have a relationship like that with my fourth grade teacher, Mrs. Francine Russell. Francie. Yes, Miss Russell. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Miss Russell. She came to my <laughs> wedding and then I got back in contact with her like kind of more recently. Tell me this, were you getting positive feedback from your parents? Yes. Yeah, cuz <laughs> when you said that like I was getting positive feedback from adults, my brain went in the place where I was like I was definitely not getting positive feedback from my parents for any of those things, but I was getting positive feedback from other adults, yeah. which was everything. I mean, yeah. I think I like survived on it. Yeah. My, I mean, my, my mom and dad are both, they're very different in their 
they were very different in their approach to me artistically when I was little. My mom yeah. was was very, very, very validating. And um, even when I started writing music, um, my parents like paid for demos to be recorded oh, in cool. Nashville. I mean, I was like 15 wow. or something. And they were That's like, amazing. we really, you know, believe in this. That was super validating. Yeah. Um, my dad is a great appreciator of music and he cool. uh, really knows quite a lot about music. But he's just, you know, his personality is not really much it's of a complimenter. It's not a praise type of a <laughs> Yeah. So when I did get it, I was like, whoa, I yeah. must be amazing. But it wasn't, it wasn't oh, super, you know, super consistent. Yeah. Um, I think I was always hoping that other adults would convince my parents that I was like. Really great. Worthwhile. Yeah. 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 But also, yeah, I think I really just was like a, a bit of a junkie for like attention from like yep. adults. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I needed I it too. so bad. Yeah. And, and I think a big part of it for me was like, I'm, you know, I grew up in a very, very LDS family and was very, very gay yeah. <laughs> and, Did, and you know, you didn't come out till were, later. You knew when you were little. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Wow. And, and I think that I had this mindset of kind of if I accomplish all of these things and if I'm really good at a lot of things, yeah. then those are the things that people are going to notice. It was I, a, almost a, a disguise for me yeah. to be I really, really talented. I really relate to that. I mean, I'm, I'm straight, but I think there was so much abuse going on in my home. I also felt like a, a shame, like there was like a mm -hmm. secret, like a secret in maybe a similar way. And, um, I, w I was really trying to build something other than that. Yes. Or something. Yeah. Yeah. I relate to that. Yeah. That's rough stuff. Yeah. It's rough stuff. Yeah. I feel like I'm still trying to like tease those things apart now. Yeah. It's like a too. main thing I talk about in therapy. Like how do I, how do I separate like all the things about creativity that are like the most joyful things in my life from like this validation yeah. seeking? Like it's, uh, it's like so wrapped up in a way that just feels like completely perverse to me as an adult. <laughs> <laughs> like, I have to like, I have to be so careful about it. Like, Oh, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard. I, I have a complicated relationship with that as well because yeah. I mean, having skills and having talents feels inherently good. Yeah. But I do recognize that a lot of the motivation for that when I was growing up, I was motivated by pain. Yeah. You know, to me, it's like a little bit different. Like, I don't, I mean, I don't know. And I feel like I'm still totally like processing it and like discovering new things. But I think when I was little, like the creativity, like the time I actually spent doing the things like practicing or making crafts or like, you know, doing writing, doing whatever I was doing was really pure. Like I wasn't thinking about the validation while I was doing the thing. It was like a self-soothe. It was like an escape. But then as soon as the thing was finished, I would be like, I would be so hopeful that it would like lead to some change. Yeah. And I think I still do that piece, which yeah. is like, it's not good. It's <laughs> not great. When did you start singing? Oh, that was a, that was a tricky journey. <laughs> yeah. Please tell me everything. I don't know. I mean, cause I didn't know you until like, I don't think I really knew you at all until our junior year of high school. Yeah. And then even then I, I we weren't really like, we had, we had like a Venn diagram of friends, Yes, but yes, yes, yes. we never had like any one-on-ones. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's true. Yeah. I like, yeah, I always knew you and yeah. always was around you, but around, yeah, right. we weren't like yeah. super close. Yeah. Yeah. So I, no one in my family, like everyone can sing, yeah. you know, 
they yeah. can harmonize even, all, I will kinda, say. All Mormons can kind of sing and right, harmonize, exactly. I think. It's kind of inherent in our <laughs> yeah, culture. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, when I was in seventh grade, when I was in seventh grade, I remember this so clearly. <laughs> the first semester had just ended and my elective had been art. Okay. And I had to choose a new elective for the next semester. And I was getting pressure from a couple of my friends. We know a Zach Allred. Yeah. There was like, oh, go to choir, join yeah. choir. No one in my family had ever done choir. Yeah. And it sounded like the most insane decision yeah. for me. And I was like embarrassed to even think That's that I would do so that. Funny. And I was like, okay, I remember <laughs> laying in bed and being like, I'm going to do it. And it yeah. was so scary to me. So I, oh my gosh, I started singing in choir. I was peer pressured into auditioning for a solo. Santa Fe. You're a good singer. Well, I had not sung in front of anyone with just my own voice ever, ever. not once ever. Yeah. And so, okay, you know Goofy Movie? Of course. When everyone's like, Max, Max, yeah. Max. They did that to me <laughs> yeah. oh when she gosh. was like, anyone else want to audition? <laughs> and it was just silent. And then everyone oh started gosh. doing that. And she was like, okay, audition. And I did not want to. <gasps> But they made me, and then I got this solo, oh and I hid it from my family. I did not tell anyone that Too I was getting pressure. a solo. Yeah. So I had to like wait till everybody was gone to like practice. <laughs> oh my and gosh, it's so, so dramatic. I ended up, yes, <laughs> so I ended up singing this solo and got like good feedback, which made me feel good, but yeah. I was still like too afraid. And it really was not until college. Bailey, then Brinkerhoff, yeah, now yeah. Morris. Yeah, she's been on the pod. She's been on the pod. Yeah. I've heard it. Yeah, good. She... <laughs> again peer pressure just mm -hmm. like forced me to sing for her mm -hmm. and really over the next year in college? or so college because you sing a ton in high school yeah but just not on my own yeah. i was very afraid for just my own voice to be wow. heard and yeah she really helped me like kind of build some confidence and break out wow. of my shell to to sing but even before that when i was in high school i was writing music in secret yeah when did you start writing music how old were you um, my first piano composition, yes. I was nine. Cute. I, I oh notated it and everything. I still have right it. Right away. Yeah. And it is the saddest, most depressing, like minor key thing you've ever heard from. I mean, that's what you kid. do when you're like a right. little depressed and you're a right. child. <laughs> I wrote like some real embarrassing poetry as right. a small child Same. using lots of like the word wretched <laughs> as often as possible. <laughs> I probably still have some of those somewhere and I won't be doing I know for a I fact I have written a poem that contains the word wretched. I mean, you have to. Yeah, you must. Uh, but, but my first, the first song with like lyrics yeah. was when, when I was a junior in high school, my cousin died, who I was very close to. Sorry. And yeah, it was, it's almost like I couldn't help it. Yeah. And like I said, I just did this secretly. I did not sing it for anybody. It was like a way for me to process what was happening because up until then that's what piano was for me it was like a way to rage oh i really get that i was playing like my piano teacher would always be like why do you only want to play songs where you are playing 10 notes at once all the time yeah. with these giant chords i was just obsessed with rachmaninoff mm. mostly and and yeah when that happened and i wasn't feeling rage i was just feeling like extreme sadness yeah it was it just like poured out of me. And wow. I think I discovered that how helpful that was. Yeah. And so I just started doing it more and wow. writing about things that were tough for me. And it was just for me for a long time. Yeah. And it, it wasn't for a while that I started kind of introducing other people to stuff that I've been writing. I've said this on the podcast a couple of times, but yeah, I mean, I loved singing like 
Les Mis, like the saddest, like Miss yes. Saigon, just the saddest, most angsty things. Because yes. I was dealing, I had PTSD, you know, yeah. and I was like, there weren't other ways to process it. And that was like a safe way mm -hmm. to like, just experience these like emotions that I was absolutely forbidden from having, yeah. Yeah. which is, I think, I mean, that's creative too, though. Like, I think about this a lot, like, you know, when I, when I'm honest with myself about the development of my creativity, like it was, I was creative about like surviving my life, yes. which I'm sure you feel the same way. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And I still feel like that. I mean, I do too. it's, it's just like, you got a problem, like you're a creative, be creative, like yeah. solve this problem. However you you know, think outside the box, yep. which is, I think why, like I increasingly am really interested in like creativity outside of like the arts per se. Yeah. Unfortunately, like non-artists don't want to come talk to me. <laughs> like they're like, <laughs> what? No. <laughs> but I'm like, but I must know what you're thinking. Yeah, you're right. Every problem has so many solutions. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, that it's just the mark of a creative person to find ways to solve your problems. Yeah, I think so, too. Or like a stubborn person, like who knows? Um, were you reading a lot? Uh, I Even now, I I go through kind of waves mm -hmm. where I'll read a lot and then I'll go months without reading much. I mean, I was my degree is in Russian language and literature. Oh my, I don't so, think I knew that. So, cool. yeah. So my undergrad yeah. was reading, 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 yeah. reading. I read so much. I'm I'm reading Crime and Punishment right now for the seventh really? time. Really, Andrew, my husband is reading um, <laughs> the brothers. Karamazov. Yeah, yeah, it's a great it's book. Cute. Same author. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, Fyodor. Yeah, that's like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Andrew, Fyodor. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Andrew, Andrew's. It's so cute. Like we'll be on a gig because he plays drums in the band. Sometimes, not always, but sometimes. And I'll just like catch him. Like I'll be like, "Where the hell is Andrew?" And I'll just find him like in some corner of a wedding venue, just like reading, reading the brothers Karamazov. I love that. It's so darling. <laughs> Meanwhile, he has a PhD in like materials engineering yeah. and builds like computer chips. But he's just like, I mean, well-rounded fellow. He is. He also does like woodworking, and he's like the nicest dog dad to this baby bear. Yeah. It's it's my favorite. I'm just like that's my husband reading Dustin. Well, I could definitely over there. Yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> Russian literature. Friends with I mean, Andrew. even that. Like, I love Russian literature. I tell love to me, read. Tell period, me more. But oh, it's such a tangled web. Yeah. So I started learning. I started learning Russian in eighth grade. Why? On my own. Oh my <laughs> there was a girl named Yana Yen in my math class, and she. Everyone was you know taking Spanish or French or whatever, yeah. and. I was just really interested in Russian and my sister had just started dating and then married and is still married to a Russian speaker. Russian is kind of sexy. It's, yeah, I, I was felt like, like that as a child too. About? I don't know why. Yeah. yeah. And there's something inherent <laughs> yeah. in Russian literature and music that is just it's like dark. It's serious <laughs> yeah. and dark and sad. Yeah. And I love that. So yeah. French is like dark and sad in a beautiful way. And Russian is like dark and sad in, in a just dark like and a sad dark way. way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I just really latched mm -hmm. onto that. So yeah, I was learning Russian language while I was playing Russian music yeah. and reading Russian literature. And I even still, it's a, still a huge part of my life. Yeah. I mean, I we haven't really got to this yet, but the the medium that I am 
that I spend the most time on and I have for the last decade is, is knitting. Yeah. And that is, I learned how to do that from old Russian grandmas in cool. Eastern Europe. And a lot of what I do is like really inspired by Russian knitting and Russian culture. Did any of the like adults or peers like have questions about why you were so obsessed with these like dark things? I don't remember anyone really. Cause you're very shiny. Like you're a very shiny person. Well, I am, but. I am, but I am not. I, I mean, I get this. <laughs> you know? Yes. I think that, I think looking back, I think adults in my life did realize how serious I was. Yeah. Um, I was described, my mom told me a few years ago that there was a, a guy from our ward growing up that, even when I was really young, described me as a somber child. Wow. And that's not how I would act. Yeah. But that is how I felt. Wow. And... So Jeez. I don't know. I think, I think adults in my life recognize that and yeah, I don't know. I don't know quite how perceptive everyone was of me. I was so just folded in on myself that yeah. I don't think I was really noticing. Well, I mean, I like, I, again, I don't think I really knew you until we were in, in high school and maybe not until we were in corral together, which was mm -hmm. junior year. But I, I always just, thought you were like very shiny because I didn't yep. really know you. And then like later, I think I was, I was like a little surprised to see like, oh, we've maybe had a lot in common. Yeah. Like, and maybe like should have been better friends <laughs> right. in high school. Yeah. So we're probably like dealing with some similar bullshit. I mean, I was, I was an actor yeah. my entire childhood growing up. I mean, what you see is not what you got. Yeah, like yeah. I, the well, person were, that like, I very presented. popular too. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, so it's it so funny because like yeah, I mean it, it's true. I had I had a lot of friends. I was very positive and you know happy and funny and everything. Yeah. But like you read my journal from high school and it is so sad yeah. and dark and like that true self of I just, I felt like I had a split personality honestly. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> it doesn't seem like like is it was it acting or was it like this is like a like it's always a, survived. It's like a self too. Did it well, feel yeah. like that? I mean, yeah, I mean, there, I it's like definitely, I, there's definitely I an authenticity too, to it, but I think I was yeah. so afraid to show how much I was hurting growing up Yeah, that that part of me was just never It's exposed. such a house of cards. Yeah. Yeah. So the only, the only side of myself that I felt comfortable letting other people see was just the happy fun Max. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's I mean, hard. Me too. It is. It's hard being <laughs> like, I mean, it's hard being, it's hard growing up Mormon and being anything be having any yeah. kind of problem yeah. and our high school was particularly like yeah. excellent it was we were very excellent we were excellent <laughs> it was yeah <laughs> we were all very excellent yeah we haven't even talked about math which i, I have to tell oh, you yes. this i just so i te i teach songwriting at uvu mm -hmm. and just this week we were mapping out like this just happened like i didn't even think about talking about this with you but like now now that we're here in this moment i must but um we were mapping out song forms and one of my students was like Hey, help me. Can you like, if we have some extra time, can we map out this form of this song that I've been listening to? And so I start labeling things like verse and then like chorus. And then I start labeling things like smiley face. Yeah. <laughs> like now you know where I'm going with this. <laughs> and do. my student was like, the students were like, that's so interesting. Like, I didn't think about it like that. Like, it doesn't matter what we call it. We just notice like a similar. Right. And I was like, this is from my calculus teacher. Like, <laughs> I was like, Vogel. I said like, Sir Randy Vogel, like yeah. in my, in my UVU songwriting class today, which like, 
I have a complicated relationship with math. Maybe you do too. I don't know. But like, I do not. You just love math. But you go. Okay, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I love math if I had a good teacher. Yeah. And Randy Vogel was like the most, one of the best art teachers that I've ever had. Yeah. Do you want to, do you want to talk about math? Well, yeah. I mean, it's so funny. I, I mean, I am a math teacher and I have been for eight years and never growing up would I have ever expected that that would happen. Yeah. But I think it happened because I, I just realized at one point when I was older that I knew I wanted to work in education yeah. and had so many jobs working with kids. And I just thought back to when I was doing homework in high school, I would always save math for the end because... Mm-hmm. Every other subject, even if I was doing well in it, there was some type of stress, mm. some type of like, I don't know, mm. you know, like I was trying and, yeah. and math wow. has always made so much sense to me. The fact that, you know, there are rules that will always, always yeah. work was really comforting to me. Yeah. So I would just zone out doing math and it was so Zen for me. And I think I just realized at one point that I could present math in a way, you know, for middle school kids where they can feel that way about it as well. And it doesn't have to be this super stressful thing, which everybody (laughs) feels like thinks that it is. Does it feel artful to you? Oh yeah. Yeah. Tell me more. Yeah. 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 I mean, delicious. I think (laughs) (laughs) delicious. The, the, the traditional approach to math is this is how you do it. This is the algorithm. You yeah. know, you if you're multiplying two numbers together, you put this one on top of this one, then you multiply these two, then you multiply these two, and you carry the four, and you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. But the way that I teach math is like, here is, uh, you're setting up for a wedding, and there are 12 tables, and this mm-hmm. is how many people there are. So how do you seat them? Yeah. And it's not, this is how you solve it, but here's an actual problem. So how would you solve it? Yeah, yeah. And... It's all about, I talk about creativity and math. I use that word in my classroom all the time. Wonderful. Of like, I want creative solutions to this. I love it. And there are so many ways to approach every problem. Yes, the solution is always going to be the same, but the way to get there is so different and everyone's brain processes yeah. these problems so differently. And, you know, there are kids drawing things out and there are kids who want to have like tangible things yeah. to move around yeah. and there are others that can do it in their head wow. and so to just allow for creativity in math, which traditionally you're just right. told there's no place for that there. Right. When, when truly, when you're doing math in your real life, you have to figure out how to solve these problems. You have to, you like have to build an equation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You have to deal, you know, it's, it's almost always money. I feel like yeah. in real life, Yeah. but you have to <laughs> yeah. find solutions to these problems Yeah. and people who are quote unquote, not math people are. Yeah. Everybody is. Yeah. You, you have to solve these problems. And so I just really try to, in my classroom, help kids realize that I'm not looking for one way. Yeah. I want to know how your brain approaches this. I love it. Yeah. I think it's really exciting. Precious. (laughs) It is exciting. Well, I think that's why, like I would struggle in math. Like I would always do my math homework first for the opposite reason, because it stressed (laughs) me out. And I still have, I get stressed dreams about math, like on the regular, like really frequently, but I got to about PE. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I think I would get stressed dreams about PE. If I think it's almost like that's buried, like farther down. (laughs) That's so funny, but you're, you're, you're athletic, right? Well, yeah, but I was gay in a locker room, so you know. I see. It's just a weird, <laughs> a weird environment P-E, for us. No, ew, ew, yeah. ew, ew. No thanks. I, 
Do you ever think about the fact that they made us do swimming? Like, I think about that oh, yeah. sometimes. Like, we had to Arizona swim PE. in We're the swimming. middle, in like second period. Yep. What the hell? Yes, you were getting uh, soaking wet in the middle of your day. In the middle of your day. And then you go to geometry. The next class, <laughs> I have like this, I have this memory of like my hair, like I had my wet hair in front of me and then it left these like two wet spots on my boobs. Oh my God. And I was like so self-conscious about it and everyone was like, you're boobs are wet and I was like no. I have not even thought of that honestly being a teacher now and seeing just how beat to death these girls are with like you know their hair the is hair, perfect the makeup, the makeup is done yes. they would never no now if there was a swimming unit they would there would be mutiny I had it wouldn't so happen. much stress about it and like I had like some acne and I was like really worried about like the makeup <laughs> it was just like oh my gosh I can't believe they made us do that that is so funny I cannot believe I really believe... have not thought about that forever well I have <laughs> And like, also like for all the little blondes, like our hair would turn green. Yeah. Like you gotta wash that chlorine out of there. Oh my gosh. The trauma, the trauma of second period PE. Like that get me so fucking it's out like, of here. It's like, give me six period PE. Yes. On. Second. I had that. I, I remember it was, it was second semester, eighth grade that I had, I had second period PE and it was, yeah. it was devastating. <laughs> it was devastating. I hated it. Even now, yeah, the kids. I I can always tell when they're doing something really strenuous in PE because a class will come in and like four of the children will just be so sweaty (laughs) and just be like panting and they're like, we had to run the mile today. No. I hate it. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry you had to do that. Oh, but as much as I hated swimming, like volleyball was the worst one. Like when there's a team sport that like you can really let down your peers, like (laughs) like, because I'll tell you what, Max, I would let down my peers. Yeah. When you miss a hit and then four people are like, Well, what you want to do is you were doing this, I need you to do like What I want to do is be crying over there right now. What I want to do is like not have a panic attack in front of all of you. Never come back. (laughs) Seriously, I'm going to be on my period this whole semester. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I remember, like, I distinctly remember, like, needing to use that particular excuse really sparingly, like, really save it for the teachers. No, I will tell you. I'm yep. sure they do. The number of times where I'm like, you know, I'm not going to say anything, but I'm like, you said that six days ago <laughs> and you said it six days before that. No. And I may not know the, the true ins and outs of how this works, but yeah. I know that you're lying. Oh my gosh. I do <laughs> seriously anyway. just remember just feeling like I, I will use this excuse when I have to, because yep. sometimes like having a panic attack in front of my peers is, is not an option. Yeah. That's it not just isn't an option. No. Yeah. No, you need <laughs> to have I, a plan in your back pocket. And it did happen to me a couple times. I also, I also used to like faint in like health class when we would have to like watch like movies where they would yeah. be like, they'd be talking about like STDs and I would just like genuinely, I would just pass out. Like oh it, I would just be like, I can't handle any of this right now. <laughs> <laughs> not equipped yeah, to and watch this video. Eventually the health teacher was like, if we're going to watch a video, like Emily has a pass and can like yeah. sit out Emily in the sit lobby. by the door. Yeah. Cause I really <laughs> would like, you know, the like driver's ed video where yeah. they show you like all of the mangled teens. Oh my goodness. Yeah. The crashes. I, I can't, I, I still like, I still will like Why watch showing that to kids for fear. Yeah. To terrify <laughs> for you. healthy fear. But yeah, that I still am like, I still will like, I'll, I'll be like, I got to sit down if I see something <laughs> a little too scary. Cause I'm like, I'm sensitive in that way. Anyway. Um, so one thing that I've been thinking about a lot just is like, 
this feeling that we get when we're creative. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you're the same way. I'm like, I feel like I don't even need to ask, but do tell me if I'm wrong. But it's like that feeling shows up when you're knitting. That feeling shows up when you're playing piano. That feeling shows up when you do math. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you, what do you make of it? (sighs) It is like euphoric. Yeah. It's, I could not live without that feeling. Yeah. It's this feeling of, for me, um, it's different for when I'm making music than when I'm knitting. When I'm, when I'm making music, it's for me. Yeah. It's like this, it's just a, a release, just yeah. a catharsis. And I'm able to, you know, it's so purely like get out what I'm feeling. And it's yeah. just the best, best feeling. But when I'm knitting, there's something about knowing that I'm making, that something's going to exist that did not exist before. It's like creating order out of, you know, yarn and knowing that this thing that I'm making, that I'm, you know, it's going to pass into the hands of someone else. This can exist for hundreds of years, possibly. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that, uh, there's something about that that I just love so much. So it's a different feeling? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. With knitting. So up until this last year, all the knitting that I've done has been clothing items, you know, like most people do. Yeah. And I very rarely knit things for myself. I would almost always knit things for other people and I would do, you know, commissions every once in a while, but mostly what I would, I would make things for just people that I love Yeah. and to spend, you know, 20, 30 hours making something for somebody that person is like on my mind while I'm making that thing. Totally. And it's just like this. It's like a practice of love. It really is. I get that. It really is. I made uh, a couple years ago, I made this pair of mittens for my friend, Annie. She has these two dogs that she like loves so much. And so I was like, I'm going to make her some mittens. They're very ornate mittens. They have portraits of her dogs, a dog on each, on each mitten. Oh my gosh. And you know, they took a really long time to design and to make. But it's the the fact that it takes a really long time is what I think I love the most about yeah, it. It's like meditative or it's something. It's very meditative. Yeah. And yeah, it's just knowing that it, inherent in the product is the amount of time that it took to make it. And there's something, I think it's very rare these days to spend a really long time doing something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's... This is just, you know, an example, but it's the one that comes to mind is those mittens for her. She she just told me the other day, she said, if literally if my house was burning down, there are like three things that I would grab and these are one of them. That's precious. It is. And it's, that's one of the things that I, that I love. When did you start knitting? I learned to knit on my mission. Wow. So I was 19. I was in Estonia. Well, when I started knitting, I was, so I, I lived in Estonia and Latvia. Okay. So I started knitting in Latvia and... We had this meeting with this old grandma. This was within the first month or two. And we were talking to her and she just like reached into her bag. And I had never, I never really watched anyone knit before. No one in my family knits. Yeah. And I was just watching how she was just looking at us in the eyes, listening and talking Mm. and her hands were doing this. Cool. And I I snapped. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, I have to know how to do this. So I bought, you know, on your mission, you do this, you do like language study every morning. Yeah. And so I bought a, a book, a learn how to knit book in Russian. 
cute. And that was my quote unquote language study <laughs> when truly I was just trying to learn how to knit. Oh, and I didn't I love even, it. Emily, this is so psycho. Please tell me. I, <laughs> so on your mission, you can't go, you can't go shopping unless it's uh, preparation the day. day. Yeah. The P day, which happens <laughs> yeah. once a week. Yeah. So when this happened, it was the day after my P day. And I was like, I am supposed I to wait, wait six a week. days <laughs> oh to get knitting needles. So I went into my closet and I took two wire hangers. Uh, I could see it coming. And I just, I didn't even have anything to cut wire hangers. So I just bent them like <laughs> back and forth enough times to break them off. Oh and I fashioned my own knitting oh needles. God. I deconstructed a sweater that I had to make balls of yarn. Obsessive. Obsessive. I mean, if there's one word to describe me, honestly. And so, Max, yeah, my I'm first so six days like of knitting were with these bent, crazy, like, hanger mm. needles and yarn from a sweater that I made. And I was just unstoppable from that. Like, it, it has been a obsession is the right word. An Have obsession you ever since been, then. like, embarrassed by these obsessions? Kind of, yeah. yeah. Tell me more. Yeah, well, I... Kind of, but also they're so delicious that you cannot stop. Yeah, well, yeah. some of them will come and go. Yeah. You know, there are times where I'll get really, really, really into, into something. Those cement pots for a while. Oh, I was. Oh, yeah. yeah that was a phase. Oh, yeah. The, I've had many. I've had many though. phases. Yeah. You've, and I. What I, haven't you done? <laughs> what yeah. haven't I done? And I think for a while when that kind of thing would would happen where I'd get really, really obsessed with something and then it would fade out. There, there would be something in the back of my mind that was like everyone around me was like, I knew that wasn't going to last. I don't think so. Do you That's think how people I felt. are actually thinking that? That is really how I felt. Hmm. And I think I've, you know, from getting older, I just realized that that's just how I am and I have no like embarrassment about I it. I also think it's but, very normal to have a fascination. Yeah, but, it sorry, is. Continue. Yeah, it is. But um, I have some obsessions that have not ended, Yeah, you know, and yeah. knitting, honestly, of all of the ones in my whole life, the main one is knitting. That's it's crazy. It's the It's the art form that has taken up the most time. Yeah. And the most, it's the most enduring. It's the thing that I truly will never stop doing as long as I'm alive. That's so cool. I just love it passionately. Does <laughs> knitting feel like sculpture to you? Um, yeah, in a way. Um, there's, I don't even know if any, if I can express why I love it. There are many reasons why I love it so much. Yeah. It's not real. It doesn't really feel like sculpture. It feels like I guess like I said earlier, it's making order out of disorder. Yeah. Um, when I was little and I would I would draw tiny, tiny circles, like little frog eggs just connected yeah. to each other over sheets and sheets of paper, thousands and thousands of them. Why? Instead of like Why? scribbling, yeah. oh, I would I draw see. these tiny, tiny, tiny circles. Mm -hmm. There's something about something really repetitive and really small that is like so calming. satisfying yeah. to me. And yeah, a lot of people who knit, you know, we were making a chunky blanket. We're making whatever. Yeah. I knit almost exclusively with the smallest needles and the smallest yarn. I want the pixel to That's be beautiful. so tiny. Yeah. And um, yeah, there's something very, very calming about it. But it's not, I don't do it just because of that. It's the the product. There, one of the things I love about it the most is that it's so simple. The idea of it is mm -hmm. so simple. I mean, it's existed for thousands of years unchanged mm. it's just two wooden sticks yeah and string basically cool and there's nothing else to it you know you can get fancy and people buy all kinds of little fancy things but sure. i like the idea that i always say like if there was an apocalypse you know i can go shave an animal 
and I can, I can make yarn out of it. Wow. And I can break some sticks off a tree and I can make myself a sweater and socks and a scarf That's and crazy. a hat and mittens. <laughs> There's something really like primal about yeah. it that I really like. Yeah. But I have, I have lately gotten away from knitting clothing yeah, and now I'm tapestries. <sighs> yes. Oh my I'm gosh. so excited about I it. I love it. Murals. Yeah. I'm making, I'm making knitted portraits. Wow. That are meant to be framed and hung. Wow. And that's kind of been the tension with me with knitting is I love the process and then I make the thing and then I want to give the thing to someone else. And as far as, you know, it is an art form, but there's not a lot of meaning in a hat. Yeah. And I was kind of craving, I've just wondered for years and years, how can I use this art form that I love so much, but also express myself? Yeah. And so you did kind that of landed, meta creativity. Yeah. Went one step up. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. It's just something that I haven't seen anybody else really do. And yeah. I, I also, you know, in drawing my favorite thing to draw are portraits. I love yeah. just drawing p- people and faces and I have a passion for the queer community. And so I'm working on right now a series of knitted portraits of, wow. cle- of queer men yeah. that are presented in this, you know, ancient art form mm. that is, you know, the techniques that I use are really like classical knitting techniques. Cool. And I'm just using them in a way that I haven't ever seen used before. And it was very exciting That's to me. Amazing. And I'm doing these, you know, these pieces take hundreds and hundreds of hours. Yeah. The, I've, the first one that I finished was, I mean, it's the size of a baby blanket and wow. the, the stitch is the size. It's what you use to make socks. Wow. So. What's like, very, do you, do you, how do you do the planning? Um, originally, so in knitting each stitch, you know, is like a pixel Yeah. basically if you're trying to make an image, yeah. but each stitch is not square. So right. it's not like you can take graph paper and color Plot in all of the out. squares yeah. because it'll be distorted because a stitch is not the same dimension high that it is wide. Yeah. So wow. originally I would, <laughs> you knit a, a swatch just like, you know, a four by four inch thing and you treat it the way that you would treat the finished piece. And then you measure how many stitches are there, you know, and four inches wide, four inches tall to find yeah. that dimension. Then oh. I would go to Excel. Oh my God, I love and it. And I would make... It's math. It is so much it's math. math. yeah. I would make each, you know, each yeah. pixel the right dimensions. And then I would go in with like the fill tool. Yeah, yeah. And create a pattern that way. Cool. But... I don't know why I never thought to look for an app because there are a million apps out there. So now I just use <laughs> I use a knitting app where you can enter like in I your really gauge. I really get that though. Like yeah. I do things like that too that are just like my own little like DIY thing. Yeah. But it's like it's part of it. Yeah. I was like I will yeah. I will reinvent the wheel. Yeah. It's Sometimes gonna be fun. it's like you need to. It's like part of the thing. I'm also wondering about like think conceiving of these like larger projects like how do you decide like which men are in the series like how are you conceiving of the series um how do you think about colors yeah um i so my goal is to make like five or six pieces and then have show them you know try to get them shown in a gallery or two and try to sell them i'd like to do like prints amazing um and so overall i just want I just want the the story to be like an an expression of 
Oh, I've never, I haven't even verbalized this yet. I've just felt it. So That's it's even hard this, to say. This is fun for me. Yeah. I love, try, it. <laughs> I love trying to like get artists to like be like, huh? Yeah. It's like my favorite thing. <laughs> so yeah. the, the piece that I'm doing right now is it's a portrait of a, a, it's a Middle Eastern man who's shirtless wearing a leather harness and like a big chain, Cool. but it's, I'm knitting it in. Okay. So there are three, four values. There's a, a light, a light medium, a dark medium and a dark value. Okay. But instead of knitting them in a solid color, each of those values is knit in two colors in a classic repeating knitted pattern. Wow. So when you look at the image, you see a portrait, but it's almost like it's hidden behind. It cool. almost looks like a repeated wall wallpaper pattern. I wanted, because knitting is so ancient and classical, there's something about who has been represented in the past in such a formal way and it was never people like the people that I'm doing. Yeah. And so I like this idea of, you know, and in this piece also there's, I'm knitting a frame cool, that's really, really ornate and I want it to, it, it just looks very regal and very serious. Yeah. Just like all of this art that we've seen for centuries and centuries. Like paint, paintings, yeah. you mean? Yeah. 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 And all of these different mediums, it was just never... I mean, there was often queer people without anyone knowing that that's who they were. Pa painters? Oh, sorry. Are yeah. we talking about painters? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Because, yeah. yeah. But yeah. yeah, I want to present people who are openly queer yeah. and unabashedly queer. Yeah. You know, a shirtless man in a leather harness, but in, in a form that looks like the way yeah. that we have been presenting straight people for centuries. Totally. It's like radical. Yeah. Um. Maybe this is like a stupid question, but like, is there, is there something about like the idea that a lot of knitting is done by women? Like, is there something interesting in there for you? Um, I have not even really thought about that. <laughs> Cause that also seems like a little radical or like a little like yeah. reclaiming something. Yeah. It's or... funny. I, I knit in public a lot. I do yeah. a lot of my knitting and you know, I love to go to a coffee shop or whatever yeah. and I have people take pictures of me. I mean, it happens all the time or people yeah. will come up and talk to me and be like, what is going on here? What are you doing? It's like a little bit performance art. Is yeah. it a little bit performance art? It a little art? bit is. Cool. Yeah. 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 But I've heard, it is a very, you know, like female dominated, um, art form. There aren't a ton of men who knit, but yeah. I, I don't know. My, I am not a typical knitter. I, this is going to sound crazy. I can't even read a knitted pattern. Yeah. I don't think Which that's is how crazy. everyone yeah. learns how. That's why you had to do Excel. Yeah. You had to code your own patterns yeah, exactly. that made sense I to mean, you. I mean, you could give me the most simple pattern and I would have to Google what do all these symbols mean? Yeah. Everything I've ever knit, I've designed myself and I have just approached it. I mean, I learned to knit in such an unconventional way in yeah. such an unconventional place. And so, yeah, I just don't really fit into, you know, there's definitely like a knitting culture yeah. <laughs> of people who it's, it's really looked on as kind of a hobby and something that you do mm. to relax. And yeah. it's something that old people do and you go to knitting groups yeah. and that's never been how I've, how I've done it. It's always been, um, I've just had a different entry point. I love that you know? though. It's like, it is just this, like, I don't know. I increasingly have this kind of theory that like, no matter what we're doing, like our, you know, our biggest creative project is our lives. Yeah. 
And if you're determined to like live your life in an artful way, mm-hmm. which I'm sure you are, yeah. then like, of course, of course you're going to find yourself in like these, this mix of things. Tell me this, like, I have a couple of questions. Yeah. H- have you ever, have you ever felt like insecure or like imposter syndrome about the fact that you don't knit like other people knit? Yes. Tell me, tell me about that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, anytime I go, so there's, you know, there's a yarn shop that I go to in Salt Lake, my favorite little yarn shop. Yeah. And it's almost like every, com- you know, knitters love to talk to each other. So when you go yeah. in, everyone's like, what are you making? You yeah. know, show me what you're doing. What pattern are you using? Mm-hmm. And it's almost embarrassing to, you know, I don't want to admit to, admit to another knitter that <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to read a knitting pattern, but it. also it's something that I'm the most proud of. You I, know what I mean? I totally understand So sometimes this. when I finish a product, I'll bring it in and show them. Cause yeah. they just, you know, love to see. And it's just like gasps. Yeah. They can't believe it because yeah. everyone else is making something designed by somebody else. And if they are designing their own things, it's very kind of referential to yeah. something else. And it's so like just what I, what I make is, medium. yeah, what I make is so different Yeah, that, that, that for me, even, even though I do kind of have some imposter syndrome about like, you know, I'm, I don't approach this the way that most people do. That's probably also the thing that I am the most proud of. I feel a really similar way about my experience as a jazz musician because Mm -hmm. I'm like, I have a master's degree in jazz studies. I'm a professor. I don't teach any jazz specific classes now, but I'm in an academic context as a person who has, you know, my degrees are in jazz studies and, uh, I'm like, I don't like improvising, like, and I don't have the same kind of brain as a lot of other jazz people, but I also feel like I'm getting, I, I have felt like hints of like these kinds of things you're talking about of like, like it's a little bit imposter syndrome, but I'm also so proud of it. And I increasingly am getting better at just feeling like very comfortable in like my own expression. But I, I do think like, so another thing you were, as you were talking, I was thinking about this artist that I interviewed about a year ago now and he was saying something about like how he doesn't like art that doesn't have questions Uh. and i feel like your whole thing it's just every like it's raising it raises questions which is like it's almost like the real art of it is like yourself yeah like your your ultimate medium is like just being a max eddington yeah and all these mediums that you're doing and the fact that like you're a math teacher, you're knitting, you learn to knit in Russia, you don't use patterns, like all of these things, you're, you're knitting these tapestries, you're mm-hmm. knitting a frame, you're knitting subjects that like aren't what people would, it's not a farm scene or, right. you know, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. All of this raises questions, which leads people back to this thing that's like, yeah, I'm a totally unique person. Yeah. And I think the implication, I mean, maybe I'm like totally projecting, but the implication is like, so are we all? Yeah. Does it feel like that to you? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, my, I, I've put a lot of thought into like, why art? Why, like what, tr- what constitutes art? What is the point? Tell and me all your thoughts. Why is it? important is it important in the grand scheme of things does this even mean anything yeah and i've kind of adopted um the okay so back to russian please (laughs) there's a there's a book by tolstoy called uh what is art if i remember correctly i haven't read it in a long time but it's basically just him talking about 
what his definition of art is. I should read that. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. It's very brutal. Yeah. He basically just goes well, through everything and he's like, well, nine, 90% of what all of you think is art, I do not consider art. Mm-hmm. In fact, he he didn't even consider most of what he wrote to be art. Interesting. That's, he, I he mean, said that his, that's you know, his first true novel was after he wrote many novels and he was like, wow. well, they don't count wow. until this one. And his, <laughs> defi- and his definition, I this has stuck with me and I think about it all the time. He said, true art is when you have felt these are the stages. You feel an emotion and you feel it strongly and you can identify what it is. And at the same time, you've developed skills that allow you to create something so that when people view or listen to what you've produced, they can feel what you felt without experiencing it's a what you experienced. Medium. And yeah. I I think about that whenever I do yeah. any type of, of art. Yeah. That if I if I feel like I'm not conveying an emotion that is sincere, then I kind of take a step back and think, you know, why why am I I want things to be meaningful. I don't want to just make something that's pretty or interesting. Yeah. I have, you know, have felt so many feelings <laughs> and yeah. don't want people. I don't, I don't want anyone to have to go through the things that I've gone through that yeah. have caused those most intense feelings. Oh, I totally feel this. And so by creating art you from can... all, all of these thousands and thousands of hours of practice yeah. in all of these different mediums, I feel like it's just such an incredible power to convey an emotion to someone yeah. by making something. I feel this way too. I feel like the whole point of it is like, I have this skill for, you know, plenty of reasons, not the least of which is privilege. And, you know, I have had time, I don't have kids, you know, like whatever, but I've cultivated these skills. Also being an obsessive child, being Mm -hmm. an oddly motivated child, like all these things. Like I started working on this when I was like four, you know, it's, and it's just what it is. Um, And because of that, I feel like I am able to translate and process like some of these things into something that is like beautiful and easily consumable. And I feel like it's, it can save someone else some steps. Like it feels like a gift to me in that way. Like it's a gift, like it's a gift to other people who felt similar things that I felt. And the other thing that I've been like a kind of theory that I have about art is like, it's a translation medium. So it can translate like my feelings to another person. That person can translate their feelings like mm-hmm. t- through the thing. But I also feel like it's like a, it's like an empathy tool. Yeah. Like if you can, you can perceive art, you get clues about the person who made it. And I know there are different theories about this. Like there are art theories about that. Like the art, it has nothing to do with the artist. Like you're supposed to perceive right. the art. Like, and Art's I just own, like yeah. can't, care about that yeah. <laughs> like I'm interested in the artist yeah. first and foremost like I'm interested in the art as like a pathway to the artist yeah which is why like I'm not asking people that much about their work like, yeah. I want to know like what does it mean yeah, yeah. but I think because I just love people yeah. but it feels to me like art is about people and it's like a it's part of our like language yeah it's yeah it is part of like our the way that we translate our insides to our outsides yeah. and say like, here, look, 
do what about you? Do you are you the same as Can me? Can you relate? Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. Are you different from me? Do you understand something about me after seeing this? Yeah, hearing this, reading this. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you ever think about majoring in art of any kind? Yes, I mean, I I was an art major. Um, twice. <laughs> yeah. What? What? Which first, ones? First, first a um, piano performance major. Okay. I didn't. I didn't know that you had done that. Yeah, it didn't last very long. I think I piano performance is brutal. I think I very quickly realized that it, it when that type of pressure was on me, the shine of it the joy went, kind away. Of went away. Yeah, it, I didn't ever want it to feel like work. It was too precious to me. That like once I started that feeling that the first time that I felt like oh I have to practice, I was like ooh hate that. Yeah, yeah. Never felt that before, yeah. and I knew that it just it would kind of poison something that was the most precious to me. So I had to not do it. And, and I was a media music major for a second. Okay. And commercial music. Yeah. yeah commercial music. That's what they call it there. I think they call it commercial music now. Really? I yeah, don't know. When I was there was media. Yeah. I same can't. thing. Same thing. I was a professor there for a minute, but don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> Blocked that Blocked one out. Blocked it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it really, ooh, it was a dark time. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, but both I definitely music. had interest. Yeah. There were both music. And were you doing visual art when you were in school? Um, or was that kind of visual art, no. like a childhood thing, and then it came back like yeah. afterward? Yeah, in school cool. I was just doing music. But I was doing a lot of music. That's, it's just amazing. Like, do, I'm trying to think, well, maybe I'll ask this. Is there anything you want to say about your time in school? Because even when you weren't a music major, you were around, you were... You were in the I music was community. In music, yeah. yeah. Is there anything you want to say about just like what that time like taught you about art or? Oh yeah. Please tell oh, me. It was one of my, the, my favorite like periods of my life. I mean, I was at BYU, which was rough for me. Yeah. I got kicked out. That's another story. You know, yeah. there was a lot, yeah. <laughs> a lot going on, but I was, I was a full-time musician at BYU yeah. and you know, I played piano for ballet classes. I played for private voice lessons. I played for vocal coaching lessons. I played for auditions. I played for rehearsals. I played for music camps. Mm. And so I just experienced so much expression every day. Yeah. And that's a beautiful sentence. I experienced so much expression every day. I mean, my job was to express myself and, and to mean, help other people express themselves. Yeah. I was going to say, do you mean it in both directions? Like, oh, experienced? yeah. 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 Yeah, being and it, a witness to expression is also such a gift. It's yeah. one of my favorite things about being a music yes. teacher. Yeah, they, I have these memories, just a couple that shine through where I'm like, whoa, that was so powerful. My favorite was these vocal coaching classes, you know, yeah. where the it wasn't about singing better. It yeah. was about performing better cool, and about connecting better and acting. Yeah. And watching, you know, these these students sing a song and perform it and then have an intervention from this teacher, you know, giving them direction, asking them questions and then having them do it again. And there were times where that transformation between song one and song one, the second time was so extreme that I just like, it's goosebumps. There have been times playing piano where it's almost like I black out Yeah, and it doesn't, it hasn't happened very often, but times where just, what is happening is so powerful to me that it's like, I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't know what my hands are doing. I'm not thinking. Mm -hmm. It's just this, it's such a powerful, yeah. Transcendent experience. And I mean, 
for that to have been my job for so long, I just, yeah. I loved it so much. I learned so much. And you remain, like, there were a lot of people who were, like, in that journey with you that, like, knew you in high school too, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you had these kind of close friends, like, yep. almost like sisters maybe. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. seems really precious too. Yeah, in fact, that whole that whole journey happened because of, you know, Leslie Hyatt, yeah. then Hyatt. Yeah, the first time I ever played piano, I'm like a little bit obsessed with her. Sometimes I mean, she's same. so she's so talented. She's incredible. She's she's one of the most incredible. talented people I've I've ever yeah. met. But she, the first time I ever played piano for a singer was for Leslie in yeah. seventh grade. She's back a to Les Misérables. Yeah. yeah, she, the our choir teacher was like. She, Leslie needed to, she had some solo and she was like, Max can play piano. You guys go in a practice room and he'll play for you. And I had never just played piano and had someone sing. And for the listeners out there, go find a recording of Leslie Hyatt. Yeah. I know which one I want them to find. It's, <laughs> it's out of my head. I yes. play, I play yes. that for my students. Like, all the time and I'll message Leslie and be like, just so you know, like 300 of these views are from me and my students. Yeah. Yeah, It's exquisite. I told her the story, but when I played that for her, I, it was so life changing for me just to sit there and hear her sing that, that close to me. Mm. I sometimes when I play piano and I'm really, really in the zone, I drool. (laughs) I will forget I will be so (laughs) fixated on the music I'm making that I literally forget to swallow my own spit. So I'm here playing, playing for Leslie Hyatt, who I do not know at the time. And I just drooled. And I was like, I want to do this more and more and more and more. It it gave me, you know, gave me the bug. Yeah. I, I always am trying to catch her like for this podcast, I would love to interview her and I I could do it remotely, but I really like in person because it's just. I don't know, for every yeah. reason it's better. Oh, she would be a great person to talk yeah. to. Oh, it's Hobson at the, yeah. at, now for the, for the listeners. For the listener. Yeah. I think Go like, to Leslie Hobson. yeah, absolutely <laughs> do. She's, she's, she is exquisite. She's, yeah. Yeah. I played for her. I played for her all through middle school, all through high school and into college. Yeah. And, and Bailey, know. Bailey too, right? Yeah. Well, I you didn't know, I didn't meet her. Bailey until, uh, college. Oh, that's crazy. I know. It feels like how did that not happen? But yeah. I know. We went from not knowing each other to being inseparable in about four seconds. Bailey and I have like a weird connection because her parents grew up like down the street from my dad. Mm -hmm. So like I used to like go to her house sometimes when I was like little, little. And I took voice lessons from Lindsay, from her sister. Um, we, we did like a little singing class at their house, but I would like go to my grandma's house and then like walk to the Brinkerhoff's house. <laughs> but I never really knew Bailey. It was weird. It was like, yeah. it was like our paths crossed in all these ways. Yeah. And, I knew who she yeah. was, but yeah. I, I didn't meet her until, until well, college and, and her voice just like punched me in the face. I know. I was like, what is this? I know. She's Amazing. Incredible. Yeah. She is. Yeah. She is. Yeah. We, we, we knew some talented people. Yeah, it, it is kind of crazy. I mean, yeah. we grew up with some people who, you know, a lot, often when you're young and you think people are amazing, you grow up and you're like, oh, maybe they actually weren't. But yeah, we really did kind of grow oh. up in a community where some extremely talented people were yeah, I mean, growing and learning. Like, it, it's not lost on me, like, at all that, like, of all of these people that we went to school with, like, like I'm also a person that's still doing music because I felt really frequently in school. Like I don't, I'm not, I am not like these other people. Like there's so much more like intuitive about this, but now I feel like I can look back and be like, I was dealing with some like trauma (laughs) 
like then I feel like I can give my young self like Mm -hmm. some credit for like but I mean I had to like share a stage with Leslie several times which was not intimidating easy for me (laughs) also I've had forgotten about Zach Allred but like we, he played, I was Sandy in Greece when he was Danny and we had some like, pre- <laughs> right. lots of pretend that. making out going on. Oh yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. I never, I never <laughs> want to think about, I never want to think about that time of my life ever, ever again. I do. That's so funny. There's video. I have a DVD, but I've never watched it. And Andrew will sometimes be like, can I, can I see that? And I'm like, you can, but like, I don't know if I can be there. Like, yeah. I don't know if I can watch it. Like. Oh God! Some it was, noise canceling headphones in the other room. Please. God, it was such a <laughs> such a rough time. Like I sometimes I just think like how did how did we make it through any <sighs> of that? I don't know. Do you think? Do you like feel fond about that time of your life? I I have very complex feelings about it. Mm-hmm. I mean I I was so unprepared to be like an authentic person back then. Mm-hmm. Not unprepared, unallowed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And so part of me, I kind of went through a phase where I was kind of angry at, at myself from high school years because I was just like, you were, you were a faker. Like, why didn't you let anybody know who you were? Mm-hmm. And I've kind of come to the understanding that I was surviving the best that I could. Yeah. And I did it a really great job. Yeah. yeah. You know, I yeah. was dealing with some tough, tough stuff. Yeah. And I found a way to make it through and to, you know, find all as many happy moments as I could. Mm. And so although it was, you know, it really was not until I came out that I was kind of able to shed that feeling of faking it. Mm. You know what I mean? I do. But I think I'm still I think I'm still like I feel like I'm like right now I'm like able I'm like feeling like ready to like integrate some things. But I think like my mom getting sick and. Like something, I feel like I maybe would have come to it a little earlier, but there were just some like very specific interruptions being faculty at BYU. Mm-hmm. Like while I was also like, I've said this before, but I think you'hear it differently. When I got hired there, I didn't know that you had to be LDS to teach yeah. there. And when I got hired there, I already like didn't think it was true. Yeah. And then I realized pretty quickly, like, wait, professors have to have an ecclesiastical endorsement like nobody told me like I got hired there without it was just like it was like it was supposed to like I was just supposed to know yeah anyway and then I had all of these students that were gay I had so many gay students yeah when you're when you're in the music uh, music department and it's still like (laughs) like every year a new student will come out come out to me like and I, anyway, but I felt a lot of responsibility to like those students like I just I really felt like I can't leave like when I have these students who are like coming to me and talking to me about their like suicidal thoughts um you know I just felt like well I have I can't leave them I can't leave you're a caretaker of them it totally and then it got to a point where I felt like I had no bandwidth like I couldn't take care of them anymore because I was trying to like just figure out how to exit my car like in the BYU parking lot like it didn't, you know, mm-hmm. it was anyway, but yeah. And then during that same time, my mom was dying and then, you know, that made like integrating some of those things, but Ugh, that is tough. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, but yeah, anyway, I feel like I'm like, I'm having some, like, I'm having like a few light bulbs lately. Like I've been thinking a lot about identity and like, 
just what it even means to be authentic because we were doing the best we could, you know, but I've been thinking a lot about like the way that it kind of like the model that's kind of making sense to me lately is like when you look back over your life, it's like you have these like touchstone memories that like build this story of like how you got to who you are now. And I've been really curious about like thinking back to like a time period because like when I think about high school, you know, I'm like, oh, senior year, like there's these like 10 memories yeah. that I feel like are are that time. Yeah. But that if I like pay a little bit more attention and like look farther, like I go to that same time and like look out more, I can see like all these other things that I think like what if I were to pay as much attention to like that as like this other one that I put there in the story I don't know I feel like you have to kind of tell a story in order to just like make sense of anything Mm -hmm. but I've been really really curious about like thinking back and like looking sideways what you pay the most attention to is the story that you're going to remember and yeah there are always good and bad and easy and hard things yeah but and silly things yeah. and like really, you know, like, I don't know, just I've, I've been really interested lately in like the minutia of things. Like, mm-hmm. do you remember like right outside of Mr. Vogel's room, there was like, there was like a food station. Yes. That like, little like food closet. Like what? Yeah. Like what the hell? <laughs> like I've been thinking about that recently and just thinking That's about so like funny. getting a bagel and like eating a bagel during calculus mm-hmm. and just thinking about like how how safe that was you know but when i think about high school lots of times i'll think about these like core memories that really weren't safe yeah but that i feel like i like remember with all this fear but yeah like looking back and just thinking like there were such silly things like there were all these like silly things too that Mm -hmm. like i'm i've been trying to think about that stuff more i don't know i've been thinking about uh, a lot lately about that like when, when i when i came out i i had just experienced so many just constant microaggressions from straight men my whole life Mm. that when I was finally out, I almost exclusively surrounded myself by gay, gay men. It's who I felt the most comfortable around. I knew that I wasn't going to have to police anything that I did or said or any of my mannerisms or my voice or anything. And over the last couple of years, that has really changed. And now my, the friends that I hang out with the most are straight Mm. and I've been thinking back to high school where the my closest friends were, you know, all of these straight guys. Yeah. And I was not open about who I was to them and I was terrified of them ever knowing. Yeah. And all of those people knew even though I wasn't presenting myself as who I was, they all knew me. Yeah. And are still, you know, a part of my life. And every single one of those people, I could, even if we don't talk that often, we don't live, you know, even a couple states away, Yeah, I could talk to them at, at, at any point. Yeah. And I really do look at high school as kind of a tough time for yeah. me. But I've been thinking about that and yeah. being like, I had a structure around me that was so helpful. Yeah. And, you know, why not focus on that more totally well (laughs) i've been thinking recently just i mean it's i think we're just talking about high school because that's where we know each other from but (laughs) but i've been thinking a lot about like yeah just these people that are like so important like such Mm -hmm. a big part of your everyday life and the ways in which maybe especially like in an lds context we have all these boundaries around like who we are allowed to keep talking to Mm -hmm. or like, you know, I mean, a lot of the, a lot of it is gendered and, you know, a lot of it is like, if you're still Mormon, if you're not, you know, but I've just been thinking like, 
I want to know, like, I want to be able to tell like the really close friends that I had during that time. And these, they are these like scrappy little friendships. Mm -hmm. Like I want to be able to like talk to those people's kids and be like, these are the stories about your dad that I remember. Cause that, why shouldn't that happen? You know, I don't know. I've been, I've been like percolating on these ideas a little bit and just thinking like, what's an appropriate way to just like fuck society. And like, (laughs) let me just like, I don't know. I'm not sure. It's a, it's kind of a new thought, but yeah, I mean, just, I think like dismantling some of that and like, again, kind of being creative with like the life, Mm -hmm. like, and like honoring these precious moments that even though they aren't part of that continued story, like even if they aren't people that I still talk to or, you know, whatever, like, like honoring those precious moments. Yeah. Yeah. That deserve some respect. Right. And And like the very precious things that like exist only in like your memory and like one other person's Mm -hmm. memory but like there's something really beautiful about that and I think when we like when when we when the stories we tell about our lives are all segmented we lose like some of that really like juicy stuff yeah I don't know I've been like no I've been thinking about it lately I've thought a a lot about this too I've just been kind of thinking about time yes in general everything because also same (laughs) I've just been thinking that like I mean it sounds so cliche and dumb to be like, time is a construct. It is but, though. But when I've, you know, I've just been doing a lot of reflecting about my life. I and thought gr- you were going to say like, I've lately. been doing a lot of magic mushrooms. A lot of mushrooms. <laughs> no, but the, I, as a person, this really came about through therapy. Yeah. That, you know, we, we talked a lot about, you know, there's a part of me that does this and there's a part of me that thinks this mm-hmm. and there's a part of me that's scared of this. But like the core me remains unchanged. Yeah. I have been me yeah. forever. What is it? Since mean? I was a little kid. I love and it. I was so, so aware of who I was mm. and developed all of these coping mechanisms, you know, and all of these all of these parts of me. But like it's almost as, as if I have stayed in one spot and life is just flashing past me in every direction. Yeah. And all of these chapters and all of these things that I've gone through they almost don't feel real because it's like I still feel six years old. I couldn't in like relate such more a real to that. way. You know, have you talked about this with other people? Not really. No, like it's kind of with my therapist. The, yeah, <laughs> same. Like that's so weird. And I really like I say this to my guests a lot, but like I wish Andrew was in this room because he'd be like, Emily's been saying stuff like that for like at least the last <laughs> six months. Because I really have. I've just been thinking about like, yeah, time. Time is completely bizarre like uh, well one of the reasons I think I've been thinking about it is like I mentioned my sister just moved here which is like presenting me with all kinds of new things but um I am the age that our mom was when she had my sister and my sister is the age that our mom was when she had me wow and there's something about that that's just making me like like see my mom (laughs) like see like see my mother as like a 20 year old. Yeah. But like not seeing a 20 year old as a, you know, as a little, as a baby, Yes, but seeing like, like, I feel like I can almost like look sideways at the memory and just like be like, Oh, like, it's just like a whole different thing. Oh, I know. Just, I know so clearly what you're talking about. Yeah. It's like this sideways thing. I've been Mm -hmm. real interested in like going down the, the, like the main trunk of the story Mm -hmm. and then just looking around sideways. Like what else is in here that I, 
have forgotten to think about that I haven't been looking at? Can we like smash it down? Like what parts of our identities have we sort of just like lost touch with because we haven't been practicing them? Yes. Like I've been really interested in silliness lately because I feel like I used to be really silly a lot of the time Mm -hmm. and I have not been that silly like in the last 10 years, maybe just privately, like Andrew knows I'm very silly, but I don't know, like what would it look like to like, I don't know, like recontextualize those things. This is something that I've like really, truly been doing and thinking about. Tell me everything. Like really when I first. This feels like really meant to be right now. Yeah, Yeah. it does. Yeah. This is something, this is like important to me. I, when I first kind of recognized that, that I, I've, I've always thought of myself as the me that is existing right now today. And I think when I felt like I am the me who has been alive always, I realized that the things that I loved when I was six, I've, some of them I've been conditioned to not like anymore. Totally. And I still love all of the same things. Yeah. And if they made me so happy when I was a little kid, they will make me happy now. So yeah. I've really kind of been on on like purposefully making a practice of realizing what is it that not just that I as a 34-year-old man like, yeah. but me as a human being through the course of my life, all of these interests are enduring. Yeah. And the thing, you know, when I was little, I would take I would take a chopstick from our kitchen and yeah. I would tie uh, you know those like streamers you put up for yeah. birthdays? Yes. I just cut off 20 feet of that, tape it to a chopstick, and just run Wave around the house. Around. Just ribbon dancing. Mm, you I know? love it. I and love I was it. just thinking about that the other day, and I was like, oh, what a funny little... And I was like, no. I'm doing Literally, it today. Literally, if I did that today, I would have the best yeah. time. Because I am still... Well, Max. I love you know? it. Like playing with wild, yes. like just thinking about, yeah, I've been thinking a lot lately about like, I have many ideas. I've been too fucking busy for like at least four months. Yeah. And I just, like I told you like today, like today I have like no gigs for the next two weeks. Ugh. And like all of my big projects are kind of over. Cause I have been running. I feel like I've been running on fumes, like since I was 14, <laughs> Like, I'm like, I'm Same. not perpetually I'm not tired. kidding. Like really though. <sighs> and I feel like I, like, I just had kind of a light bulb like earlier on in this year, but then I had already committed to like all these weddings and all these things. Mm-hmm. And I'd already written this album that I like, I really care about it. I wanted to do it justice, but like, I'm ready for like a messy, chaotic period as a person. And I'm ready. I want to like release like works of art into the world that are like just messy like just chaotic but like exquisite in like whatever way that only like maybe only I see it maybe other people will see it I think I don't care which I think is like maybe the point but I don't know yeah like I've been thinking about a lot of these things too maybe it's just like the age we are I know are we are we approaching a midlife crisis that's is that what's happening right now Maybe you know maybe. what? Bring it on, because honestly, it's great. I like. I feel. I mean, I'm easily happier than I've ever been. Same. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And have like, yeah. I don't know. I really have mm-hmm. just been being like, whose fucking rules am I following? Yeah, why like, am I doing what? this? Why am I doing this? Yeah. Oh, that's been just been one of my biggest breakthroughs the last couple of years. Is yeah. just realizing, hey, guess what? If I don't want to do this thing. I don't have to do it. Yeah. It doesn't matter what anybody's telling me. If I want to, you know, if, if everyone's all hanging out, doing something, having fun, and I want to be 
Home knitting. in my silk jammies yeah. knitting. Yeah. I'm going to go home. Mm, I love it. You know what I mean? Yes, I and do. If I want to go on a hike today, I mean, I went camping a couple week, weeks ago and it was blizzarding. Yeah. It was two weekends ago. Everyone was like, you are so crazy. It's going to be so cold. Why are you doing this? And I was like, because I want it to. sounds good. And okay. in the past, <laughs> I would have been like, oh, you're right. You know, what a, yeah. what a weird idea. I won't. <laughs> I'm over it. Yeah. I'm just going to do what I want. What it's are, so nice. What else are you thinking about lately? Anything else you feel like you want to like get into or talk about? <sighs> we can talk about teaching or like education. We can talk about like just any other like art questions you just think about and want to say out loud. Um, You know, the thing that I, that consumes me the most is being a teacher. Yeah. And that I think about it a lot because it's, on one hand, I feel like every skill I've built in my life just has glooped together into this profession yeah. that I am just made for. Yeah. I feel so good at it. That's amazing. And I feel so satisfied by it. And it's emotionally so taxing, which I love. Yeah. I love <laughs> going home and being like, oh, I can't do Anything. I can't even talk to anyone. I so relate to because that. Because I've just given it all. And that brings me so much satisfaction. Yeah. And at the same time, it is so hard because I'm so undervalued. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I think of the things that I want to do in my life and the things I want to accomplish and everything takes money yeah. and I'm a public school teacher. And so it's just this push and pull that I always feel of like, you know, I've never been really motivated by money. It's not something that I've, you know, that I like crave, but there are experiences that I crave yeah. and there's a comfort that I crave. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's just a thing. It's a position that all teachers are put in. Teachers yeah. who stick with it. No teacher has been teaching for, you know, 20 plus years if they are not extremely passionate and devoted yeah. because, you know, the average teacher I think leaves year five. And so, wow. yeah, that's something that I think about a lot. I, you know, kids are the best. I love Anytime someone's like, oh, this generation, I'm like, well, you clearly are not around met them. them. Yeah. Because yes, they're just like little turds, you know, and, you know, every, yeah. all kids can be immature sure. and annoying and whatever. As can all 34 year olds and <laughs> beyond in exactly. any age. Yeah. But these kids are so I think this generation versus us when we were at that age, they are not going to put up with it. Yeah. Yeah. They see someone being disrespected. They're not going to put up with it. Yeah. You're going to disrespect them. They're not going to put up with it. Yeah. I think when I went to school, it was like teachers demanded respect from students. Yeah. And I'm in a position of authority and you were a child and you will do what I say. Yeah. And if, if my students feel that from a teacher... They, it's mutiny. not going to go well. Yeah. Mutiny. Yeah. Mutiny. They are emotionally. And I love that. I like, think it's so amazing. Yeah. Honestly. I'm into it too. I don't teach as many quite as young as you do, but I teach a lot of like slightly older teens. Mm -hmm. And I also, I love teenagers. Yeah, like I don't want to have kids mostly because I'm terrified of pre-verbal children. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I don't <laughs> think I can live with one, yeah. maybe. <laughs> but, but I, I love teenagers and... Um, I think it's like 
the, the students that I work with who are just a little bit older are, they're like emotionally intuitive mm-hmm. in a way that like they're comfortable with themselves, even when they're not, yes. they, they can say out loud, I'm really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I never, like, I was just yeah. thinking the other day, this is a little different. I was a bit younger, but when I was in the first grade, I got locked in a school bathroom at the end of the day once and horrible. It was so scary, Yikes! but there was another little girl in there with me who's like maybe a third grader and she screamed and we got out, but like, I wouldn't have, I would have just sat in there. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought I'm allowed to make noise. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, I distinctly remember like in the eighth grade, I had pneumonia and like, I remember like needing to blow my nose like so bad (laughs) and just feeling like I mortified, like I cannot have a need, like I cannot walk to the teacher's desk and get a tissue. Like I cannot do it. I would not cause a wave. Yeah. Yeah. Could, could not, would not. (laughs) I mean, I, I mentioned this already, but like I, I used to have really bad panic attacks in high school and I would faint. Like I just fainted. Like I would faint in like the middle of a chemistry test and then just like come to and finish the test. Like, I don't think (laughs) it was like, which is fucking insane. Like it's like, go home. Definitely. Go home. Definitely. Yeah. 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 And I, I, Oh, I just understand that. And I saw Growing up, kids being treated like, like that. Like not people. Like not people. Yeah. So that's something that I'm so conscious of with yeah. my I mean, I've students will come in and put their head down. Some kids have no motivation that will come in, put on their hood, put their head down, and ignore anything that you say. And when I first started teaching, it was like, no, you will do this. You yeah. know, I'm in charge here. Yeah. And it's like over time, I've just learned that like we're talking about with time that I'm older than this person, but that is a person and I'm a person and I I know what it feels like to be overwhelmed. I know what it feels like to be apathetic, to be depressed. And so now it's more like, do you, I'll, I'll often ask my students, do you want me to leave me alone? Are you going to not participate? Yeah. Do you need a little, do you need need some nudges? Yeah. Do you need to lay down? Do you need to go talk to a counselor? Yeah. Not like do what I say, but let's figure out what is happening yeah. right now with you. What's actionable I've let here. students just lay down on the ground in the back of my room. Like yeah. if you need to lay down and put your sweater over your face, I'll make sure nobody bothers you. Yeah. You know, because they're just these extremely emotional little people. Yeah. And their their brains are in this time in their development, in eighth grade specifically, where Nothing is straightforward. I, I watched this video on YouTube the other day that was so fascinating. It it was this guy just stopping random people and asking them questions like, are sharks dangerous? Is salad healthy? Mm. These questions where the, the answer seems very obvious. Yeah. And almost every generation from young people to very old people, you know, is, is salad healthy? Everyone just immediately says yes. But a 13 or 14 year old will be like, well... Are there jelly beans in the salad? I love it. You know, is there yeah. rat poison in the salad? Are sharks dangerous? They'll be like, well, did they have all their teeth removed? <laughs> Silly. You know, I love they, it. their brains are just like yeah. so weird. Yeah. And just thinking of things in the weirdest ways. We have a, a class fish and we had a, an election to name it. They named it iPhone 14 Pro Max. Great. I'm like, this is incredible. 
that's why they always ask me they're they know that i do music and ned and have all of these you know passions and they ask me all the time like why do you do this mr eddington why are you a teacher and i'm like you guys are so fun to be around can you imagine me being in an office around like serious adults in suits yeah I love just like the playfulness and the imagination mm. and just like the emotional turmoil it's of that age. Me too. I had a rough time being in eighth grade and being Ugh. an adult now that can yeah. help guide them through all of those That's things. That's how I feel too. It's so satisfying. I love it so much. That's how I feel too. Like when I was that age, I knew how badly I needed an adult like the adult I am now. Yes. And then I just feel like I'll be that. I'll yeah. be that for as many people as I can be that for. Yes. And that feels like a calling. Yeah. Oh, okay. same. Yeah. I think last question, and this can be like, you know, we can talk about it for a while if you want, but yeah. what do you feel like your particular experience in like, you know, any of, any of the ways that you want to think about it, what, it, what are, what are things that you feel like you know about people or about like humanity that like you feel like are, they don't have to be like, only I know this, but like, how do you oh, see like answer. people? Okay. Tell me. <laughs> Great. I love it. Oh, I have an answer. I, I'm obsessed with understanding people. Yeah. And a lot of this comes from being an educator and, and a lot of this comes from having studied Russian literature. It's a very common thing, theme in Russian literature. And in fact, I think it was a quote, I think it was Tolstoy again that said, basically, when you understand everything, you can forgive anything. Yeah. And for me, when I'm just going through my life and I see somebody act in a way that is hurtful to me or to themselves or to someone else, I think it's very easy to meet that with anger. Yeah. And I don't like to feel angry. Yeah. And so I have just developed a habit of taking a second and thinking, why? Why did this person do this? Is it worth my own peace? Am I going to sacrifice my own peace because someone cut me off on the road and I'm angry about it? Yeah. Like how, I have no idea where this person is going. I don't know if they saw me or not. I, you know, I'm divorced. I remember when I was first going through my divorce, I was driving like a maniac. And if anybody got angry at me for that, because my, I couldn't think straight about anything. Yeah. It's like, I need to allow that forgiveness to everybody all the time because I don't understand. Totally. I acknowledge that I don't understand what's going on with anybody. And every action has a reason. Yeah. Everything that everybody does, they have done for a reason. And I think it's way more helpful to understand what those reasons are than to pass judgment and, or to be angry or to be annoyed. Yeah. It's much better to connect. So that's just something that I, I feel really, really passionate about is to just Me too. take a beat yeah, and try to understand the situation yeah, and realize that often you would react in the same way that this person is, right. is reacting. If you had if the you same were, stuff. If you had the same stuff. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't agree more in my whole, my album, my new album, The Hallowed White is like about that. It's like yeah. a, it's like a, it's a guide. It's like a model for like how to think about other people that feel confusing to you because mm-hmm. I also think about this a lot like it's a creative endeavor it's like it's sto- it's storytelling it I is. think but to look at someone and think like what what is the most reasonable and like flattering story that I can weave 
to explain why this person is acting this way. Mm-hmm. Like what's the most, the most, the best possible thing. Um, just like an exercise in empathy. I do think it's like, it's writing, you know, it's like, yeah. it's storytelling. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it feels better. Like, it does. and I don't always have the bandwidth to be as conscientious about it as I want to be. Um, and sometimes I feel like, you know, there are people where like the thing is directed at me, like the, the, the negative thing mm-hmm. where I, I feel like I can imagine a creative solution, but I don't always have time or like yeah. the emotion, emotional bandwidth to see it through. But I am like very interested in like approaching humanity yeah. in that kind of way. Yeah. I mean, every, everybody in every moment is doing their best. <laughs> I agree with no that. No one is, very Brene even Brown. people who are like hurting themselves, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's what they are able to do in this moment. Yeah. And nobody, you know, everyone's just trying to survive out here. Yeah. So it's just, I'm, I'm just over, you know, uh, giving people, I want to give everyone the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, me too. And I want to assume the best whenever I can. Want to look for the good in people, yeah. And part of that, I don't really believe in true altruism, yeah. Which is kind of like nihilistic, but I think that when I am kind and when I'm understanding, that is good for me. That's how I feel too. So I'm gonna keep doing it. (laughs) Yeah, I tell my therapist, like, because my therapist will be like, "You spend an awful lot of time like thinking about why other people are doing things Mm -hmm. and thinking about like like caring about other people and." I just, I feel like I'm like, I am aware that that kind of thing puts me at risk of some, you know, disappointment, whatever, you know, um, sometimes boundaries are like, like I have to think carefully about boundaries, but like, I just tell him like, I just, I don't, I like it though. Like, I think it's just the thing that I choose. (laughs) Like I'm aware that like the level of creativity and like, commitment and like determination that I apply to like other people in relationships is very unlikely to be reciprocated. Yes. Like I know that. And, yeah. and, and like, we are so similar. Aren't we? I know. I know. Why aren't we, <laughs> we better really, friends? I like, don't know. We live here. We, we really should, are. we should hang out more. Um, but we're both like so busy and I consumed know. with like the things that we're doing. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I really feel that. And I feel like I'm, I, I can grieve maybe a little bit that like that kind of care isn't reciprocated mm-hmm. as much as I'd love for it to be, but like, it doesn't matter. Like it's still the happiest thing yeah, for me to do. Yeah, isn't it so fulfilling to just, yeah. I don't know. And I, it maybe especially if I'm not getting it back, like I giving, <laughs> giving it is like, it feels so comfy and cozy. Yes. It's yeah. like, it's amazing. Yeah. I was just thinking, I, I just, I just heard a, a word, maybe I'm like, ignorant for not having done this word before but have you have you heard the word saunder yes i just heard yeah. this the other day it's amazing and i have tried to explain this this feeling to people yeah. i when i was a kid and would i remember doing this so young i might have been in a car seat yeah looking out the window i love driving on the freeway yeah. with, because i would look out the window just speeding down the freeway next to another car and I would just look into that car and look at this person and just do be it. flabbergasted yeah. yes. that this is a person. I just, even so young, I knew I will probably never see this person again, Yeah. but that is a human being oh, I love it. that is thinking about something and yeah. they're going somewhere and they just came from somewhere and I know nothing about it and they will disappear and I will never see them again. 
and it just like filled me with wonder and that that has never left me. Like I, I'm just obsessed with human beings. Me too. In general. It's fascinating. Well, Andrew will say to me like, how do you find such interesting people on your podcast? And I'm like, no, 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 People. <laughs> right. Just people. Everyone. Everyone. Yeah. But I do, I do. I think about this a lot and I'll ask Andrew like, like, what's it like to be in that one? <laughs> like, what's yeah. it like to be in you? Yeah. Like, when, I, when I was on my mission. What's it like from there? When I was on my mission, I heard, you know, I'm, I'm no longer religious. And this quote has a very religious feel to it. But I have latched onto it because I really do love what it means. And I yeah. don't even remember who said it. Some prophet at some time. Sure. Who knows? But in essence, it said, if, if you truly understood, like, the potential of every person ar- around you, you would be tempted to fall down and worship them. Yeah. Oh, and it is like that though. That, it is like, like that. It is like yeah. that. I just feel like any person, you can just be in the grocery store and look over at a person and the every everybody is so incredible. And beautiful and yeah. yeah I I'm do just, this too. I also just like, I talk to strangers like in a way that I'm, sometimes I leave the interaction I'm like, that was bad. I yeah. shouldn't have done that. <laughs> but like, I, I do, I just like, I want so badly. Like I want to talk to everyone. Yeah. I want little details. And even, I, even the most, even the most abrasive, most annoying, most aggressive people became that way somehow. Yeah. Yeah. No yeah. one was two years old like that. And yeah. it's like that process, you know, I, I think, I think there could be a movie made about anyone. I think so too. And I think it could be compelling. Yeah. And that's just, that's the bottom line, Emily, for me. It fucking is. I really get it. Um, If you haven't heard my new record yet, you should listen to it because it's really like, it's like about this. It's like, it's a manifesto, but I couched it in all of this like fantasy because like, of course I did. Right. (laughs) Because obviously. (laughs) But, but it really, it's like, listen, this is how I see people and I feel like if you wanted to know how to do it, this is a way, this is how you can Ooh, do it. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I think, feel like yeah. you'll just be oh, like, I it, get this. I will listen to it immediately. And if you don't like it, that's also fine. But it is like about this, which is like, that is it, amazing. it's my favorite thing. Yeah, and I really do like this podcast is like such a gift to me too, because basically I just get to like, I just get to like ask people just about like in. those things. Yeah. yeah. And I really like, I've, I've been thinking recently about like interviewing, like inviting more like people who wouldn't identify themselves as artists. I've done that a little bit, mm-hmm. like where I'm like, listen, just come on my podcast anyway. Like, right. I, I promise we're <laughs> going to have things to talk about. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think it really is just like everyone's doing artful stuff. Yeah. I mean, except for yeah, maybe people everyone. with personality disorders and then even yeah, like, then it's not their fault. It, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, they're, they're mean, still everywhere. being awfully crafty, crafting like the things that they are crafting, yeah. you know, I don't know. It's still pretty interesting, I guess. Well, Max, thanks so much for being here. Delightful. It's wonderful to catch up with you. I, I do think it's like, talk. I feel like I, we should just tell the listener, like, I don't think we'd even seen each other since high school until like, yeah, five, six years mm-hmm. ago. Emily, this um, is a core memory for me, by the way. The hike or yes, today? The hike. Really? Tell me. Core memory. Well, I just, well, 
I'll say how I remember it, yeah, yeah, which is that like, I was trying to do this eight mile hike once a week yeah. and I was just doing this weird experiment where I would just invite like a different person to like come do this hike with me every uh, week. And like, I just, I just called you like kind of out of the blue. I was like, yeah. you want to come do this hike with me? And then we had I not just seen each other for years, like, like a been, decade. Yeah. It'd been like 10 years. Yeah. What do you remember about it? Yeah. I mean, exactly that. I remember being like, what? Amazing. Fun. Like <laughs> yeah. I'm just, just such I'm a so people person. I, yes. I just love, I just love talking to people and connecting to people. And that I just remember being like, Oh yes. <laughs> like, let's do it. And I just remember on that hike, it, it's very refreshing to be able to really talk to another human being. Yeah. And I just remember that whole time, I mean, talking about deep, heavy, serious stuff. Yeah. And we hadn't talked for a decade. Yeah. And I just remember. And we didn't really talk before that decade no, either. No, It's kind of like really. our first real conversation. Yeah. Our first one-on-one is an eight mile hike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Which is clearly just so typical for both of us. Yeah. But I just remember after that, just thinking, this is the type of interaction that I value the most with yeah. a person. Yeah. How, I mean, how many people do you interact with in a day? And there's just so much on the surface, but there's so much to discuss. There's so much to like relate to in another person. And I remember just being really grateful that I had that experience with you because it just popped out of nowhere and it was really meaningful. I felt the same way. I also, I remember two specific things that I think about like with fair regularity. One is you told me about QAnon that day. And you you told me about my favorite murder. Are you serious? Yes. <laughs> yeah, you were like, have you heard of this thing QAnon? And I was like, no, how weird. And you were like, it's you gotta pay attention like, to it. And then I it's think about sometimes thing. that now and I'm just like, oh. Oh yeah. Um and then I remember you talking about wanting to put a bronchiosaurus in a brontosaurus house. in your house. Yep. Yeah. Still a dream. I hope it happens. Still I like a dream. really want that to happen for you. I want it to happen for me. 3D printed. 3D printed from uh files that are available for free to yeah. the public. I like just tell that to people sometimes Mm -hmm. because like that is such a wondrous thought. You could have a life-size dinosaur skeleton in your home. I mean, why aren't we doing this? Well, because I live in a very small loft in downtown Salt Lake. So maybe a pterodactyl. You'd have to really squeeze it in there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. That's so funny. <laughs> it's I think about it so often because it's such it's such one of those it's like a perfect little nugget of like you could just crack the world right open. Yeah. Like just crack it right open. <laughs> it's almost like a little symbol. Like I have no like personal desire to have a dinosaur in my home. But I do think about that. It's like one of those things of like there's probably a way. You know, like oh, there's just a way. what's the thing oh, yeah, you haven't thought about? It. it can be done. Yeah, yeah. I thought through it. I just then, needed the house to put it in. And then knowing that like, like you had that thought went through the things were like, Oh, this is actually easy. I think about that as like a, like a rubric for yeah. like other things sometimes. <laughs> like and that's yes. I think about it really, right, really frequently. Cause it's just like, it's probably like, it's probably like that. Like there's probably a, there's probably a way to make this happen. Oh yeah. There always is. There always is. Yeah. We're there's, crafty. Yes. That's so funny. I Which, love that you remember that. Yeah. I think about it kind of a lot, but also one final <laughs> thing. Ari crafty, like integrating the Mormonism of it all. Mm-hmm. I've been thinking a lot lately about the craftiness of our people and oh yes, the witchiness of our people, like all the folk <laughs> magic that's in our DNA. Oh yeah, like I've been thinking oh, a lot yeah. about all the folk magic and just like my ancestors were wacky oh, and they yeah. were doing folk magic. Yes, 
Absolutely. And it's like a heritage that we forget to think about. Mm-hmm. I think those are like two things that I'd like to like keep maybe or explore in a new way. Yeah. Crafty. They're, really, they're truly so, yeah, the craftiness, the art, like the cooking, the dancing, the, the cooking, singing, the, canning, the instruments, the textiles. Yeah. I was just raised around so much art. Yeah. And just kind of thought that's how everybody was. And yeah. it really hasn't been until adulthood with really looking back and realizing that that is a kind of uniquely Mormon thing to just be really, really surrounded by yeah. so much art. Yeah. Um, you know, almost every Mormon it's kid like, like plays a, an instrument. Given. Yeah. <laughs> seems so normal. And then, you know, now I teach and I'm like, who plays an instrument? And they're like two people. Yeah. It's like everyone. Everyone sings, everyone plays an instrument, everyone does like, I mean, even just like the structure of like the, the like youth programs, it's like you're embroidering, then you're like doing archery, Mm -hmm. which is, I mean, maybe other like American kids have these kinds of things, but like, it certainly is like a, it's pretty to a, it's to a pretty high level. I knew how to bake bread when I was like nine, right? you know, like, <laughs> do I bake bread anymore? Not really, but Did like, I just get a bread maker I? and haven't used it yet for my birthday. Yes. <gasps> but I'm excited. I got a sewing machine for Christmas two years ago and it's still in the box. Hey, that's okay. Cause that's I'm, okay. I'm a little scared of it, but I'm ready to be chaotic with it. Yeah. I'm ready to just be yeah, like, just I don't know. <laughs> I'll do something. We'll see. <laughs> Start with a pillowcase. That's yeah, my, that's, that's what my I want to do. All I want to do is make pillowcases for outdoor spaces. Yeah. Oh, it's easy. That's all I want. I want to put tassels on everything. Oh my God. Let's have a sewing party. Okay. I would love it. Oh, I'll show you how to do a zipper. Please Yeah, those do. cases are coming off and they're washable. Okay. And I would, I mean, I would, I would so really fun. love some help. We can do some so. piping. Okay. All right. Sounds amazing. Okay. <laughs> I always ask everybody two questions at the very end. Okay. It's just like how I wrap up. Number one, on this day, what's your dream collaboration? And you oh. can really think outside the box. Like, it can be a collaboration with a, an institution. It can be like whatever you want. A dream collaboration. You know, it's not a collaboration with a person or an institution, but with a country. Great. I, I'm, this is, I love it. <laughs> I would love at some point to return to Estonia. Yeah. With just all of this. You know, I I am like a Russophile that is just actually not Russian. Sure. And Russians in Estonia are not Estonian and they feel kind of cast out by mm. Russia. Mm. And so much of what I love about art and culture comes from that. Mm. I would love to do like a show, whether an art show or a music show. Both, um, maybe. In that country, because it's cool. a place where my biggest traumas were formed. Mm. It's the place where I... Uh, just kind of grew up really, really fast. And a lot of it has stuck with me. And I would like to, I would like to return and like present who I am now to a place where I presented myself as someone very different. That feels very happenable. Yeah. Let's, I think you should do it. Yeah. I'd love to. And then finally tell people where to find your incredible work. Um, (laughs) I'm not very consistent, but I have an Instagram at Maxwell Eddington. Um, and that's, you know, when I do finish things, I post them there. Uh, that's probably the, yeah, that's, that's the main place. I don't have a website or anything, Cool. but this, uh, yeah, this big knitting project that I'm working on, I'm kind of waiting to really unleash that until it's done. Cool. But when that's done, you'll know about it. Great. It'll be on the Instagram. I can't wait. 
I, I, I'm excited. Well, Max, it's going to be a really, while. <laughs> I, that, that's just fine. We'll yeah. still be here. I'm still going to be interested. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for coming. I like, I don't, I've been, I've been thinking about inviting you on the podcast for so long and just kind of feel like, oh, I don't think he'd want to. And then oh. we were, I was texting you to invite you to my show. Yeah. And then I was like, by the way, and then you're like, yes, please. Yes, 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 and then yes, I yes. thought like, why didn't I just invite him here? But anyway. <laughs> so well, happy to. I honestly have been looking forward to it since he good. asked me. This me, is so fun. Me too. Thank you so much. Thanks for being here. And I just like you so much. And let's let's hang out occasionally. Yeah, we're going to sell some pillowcases, girl. I would love to. I would love it. <laughs> okay, thanks. Yeah, of course. Thanks for listening to Artifice. Our theme song is As You Are from My Album Masks with artwork and merch designs by Sarah Keel. If you'd like to recommend a professional artist for an interview on the podcast, you can reach me through my website, emilymerrellmusic.com. That's E-M-I-L-Y-M-E-R-R-E-L-L music.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks again. Have a great week.